Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. I took last week off because of uh, Purim and all the craziness, and also I lost my voice and can't really record a podcast. And this week, um, I apologize in advance. I have a bad cold, and you'll probably hear me coughing and hacking. So I may keep it a bit shorter than usual. Um, all right, let's get started. So this week, we read Parsha Shmini the third Parsha in the book of Ayikra. Now, after all of the construction of the Mishkan that has happened in the end of the book of Shemot, on the eighth day, as the, the Shemini, um, as the Parsha begins, Kara Moshe la'aharon levanav le'zikne Yisrael. Moshe calls to Aaron his, and Aaron's sons and to the elders of Israel. Vayomer el Aharon, then he speaks to Aaron. He says, Kach l'cha egel ben bakar l'chatat, Take for you an Egel ben Bakar lechatat. Now, a calf that for the sin offering, calf from the herd for a sin offering, and then a ram for a burnt offering. So we see the word calf, and our brain, I think, immediately goes to, of course, when's the last time we saw an Egel? With the incident of the Egel Azahav, right? The incident of the golden calf. And so it seems interesting that the way that we are dedicating the Mishkan, the way that we are showing that we are ready to use it, that it's been completed, is by offering an Egel as a sin offering, right? A calf as a sin offering, because we've seen that before, it just seems like it's kind of a bit odd. Now, if you look at Rashi here, he quotes a Midrash, it says, That this is to, to let Aharon know that God forgave him, that he atoned for the Egel, for the calf, um, that we threw this calf, excuse me, for the Maaseha Egel Shasa, right? For the fact that Aharon had <coughs> actually played a very active role. It was his idea um, to build this calf um, in order maybe to distract the Israelites from being worried about Moshe or whatever it was, right? So Aaron, basically the eagle in some weird way was his idea. And now Aaron has to offer an eagle to show that it has now been, or maybe God is showing him that that has been forgiven. Now, this gets, of course, to the point of what is the point of the Mishkan in the first place. Now we're talking about Rashi, right? Rashi believes somewhat famously in quotes that the Parshiot, uh, the five Parshiot at the end of the book of Shemot are out of order, right? There's Trumat Tzavi, the instructions for the Mishkan and all of the Kohanim's clothes. There's Kitisa with the story of the Egel. Um, and then there's uh, Vayakal Pekude in which they actually construct the Mishkan and the clothes for Aharon. Now, Rashi says that those parshas are out of order. He says that actually what happened was that the sin of the eagle, the golden calf, happened first. And then, as an antidote to that sin, as a corrective to that sin, as a tikkun, a, a, almost an act of tshuva, God said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to build a tabernacle. You're going to build a Mishkan. And that is really like kind of the place to, to channel their energy and also a place to focus and a place to actually have some physical worship of God. Right. So we start with the sin of the golden calf. God says, okay, you clearly need some kind of physical way to worship me. And so you build a Mishkan and then they build it. 
the partial are out of order, Ketisa should come first. Now, that I think helps us appreciate Rashi's point here this week by saying that the Egal is the sign that God forgave Aharon for the incident of the golden calf, right? Because it, it, it directs connectly to the purpose of the Mishkan in the first place, right? The Mishkan is constructed in response to the sin of the golden calf, and now it is actually being inaugurated with that very same animal, with a calf, as the ultimate message of forgiveness, of completion, of reconciliation, right? You can imagine just the amount of closure that Aharon gets with this moment. One can easily imagine that he's living with some element of guilt, even if it's not public guilt, right? Even if he's not being publicly blamed for the golden calf, I'm sure in his head, he carried that awareness with him. And you see that even in the way he describes it to Moshe, when Moshe comes down the mountain and says, oh, what, what, what on earth is going on here? Aaron describes it in a very passive way, sort of like, he doesn't say, I had this idea, I said, do this, like, this kind of happened. And when someone speaks passively and removes themselves as the agent, it's a sign that they're uncomfortable with what they did. So I would have to imagine that at the very least internally, Aharon is carrying this discomfort with him and has been. And now he gets this public sign from God saying, nope, you're done. We're done. You are forgiven. Everything is good. We are moving on with a clean slate. We are moving forward. And that really means at the beginning of this part, is this really beautiful moment <coughs> of resolution for Aharon. Now, to me, I was thinking about this, there's only one issue with this. And the one issue to me is that, okay, Aharon follows the instructions, does all the stuff with the sacrifices that he's supposed to do, everything with his sons, and oh, they do the good job. It's all successful. Yay, yay, yay. They go into the, um, into the Ohel Moed and they come out. And Kvod Hashem appears, Hashem's presence, Hashem's honor appears to the whole nation. Great. Everything is perfect. We're done. What happens immediately afterwards? Aaron's two sons, Nadav and Avihu, take their fire pans and they put the incense in it and they offer before Hashem an Ish Zara Asher Lotziva Otam, a foreign fire that had not been commanded to them. And of course, what happens as we know, and a fire comes out and destroys them and kills them on the spot. Now, in past years, we've analyzed what on earth actually did Nadav and Avihu, what what happened here? Why does this happen to Nadav and Avihu? Is it because they did something wrong? If so, what was that thing wrong? Because the text doesn't actually tell us. Now, independent of what the reasoning was, to me, this kind of casts a bit of a shadow on this beautiful moment that came right before. Because really what we're saying is Aharon got resolution. He he got, you know, the closure for the sin of the golden calf by offering this egal to inaugurate the Mishkan. But literally, um, so you can imagine, okay, his feeling of satisfaction lasted for maybe, what, an hour? Right? Like, okay, he feels good. And then what happens? His sons do something. We don't know what. And then they're just, two of his sons are just killed. I mean, we, you know, we, the, the, the scope of that tragedy is enormous. And so now uh, we leave off. Aaron's actually in a worse spot than he was three hours ago when he was still carrying that guilt of the eagle Azahav of the golden calf with him. So what does it mean to begin the Parsha with that resolution and then only to transition into this? 
And, you know, I think that in some ways, this is like really the ultimate real life lesson for us. Uh, sometimes we, we want to just, you know, fix things and kind of reach that point where everything is fixed, everything is at ease. And then something else also always comes up that takes us right back into a place of stress. Even thinking of something as, as, as silly as just like a to-do list, right? No matter, you could check off all your to-do lists, you can answer all your emails, but then immediately you're going to have more tasks on your to-do list. You're going to have more emails coming in. And it just feels like, okay, why bother, right? It's just one thing after the other. And certainly that can happen with tra with tragedy also. We've lived through a very tough couple of years where you think you get over Delta, but then Omicron comes. And then you think you get over Omicron, but then the BA2 variant comes. Or you think you get over this war, this tragedy, and then another war starts. It, it, it's this feeling of like, oh, I just want to get something done, but not have something else come up right in its stead. But at the same time, I think in some ways that's kind of the fa a fantasy. I mean, that's what Rashi says in, in, in the beginning of Parashat Vayeshev, right? That why did Yaakov want to reside? Because Yaakov Leshev Vishalva. Right? Yaakov just wanted a little bit of peace. But then the sign, you know, Hashem basically comes in and says, no, there's going to be trouble. <coughs> Tzadikim don't actually get to, to sort of live in peace, like live in a state of, of quiet, of calm. And I, I kind of see that happening here. I mean, I think that we can all identify with our own in that way of wanting things to just go away, wanting to be at peace, but then feeling like there's all this just new stuff coming up. And I think the real lesson of life is that the notion that we're ever going to be at full peace, at full equilibrium, at full resolution, it's a fantasy. And that really life isn't about just just fixing all of our problems and then having them go away. Life is really about learning how to make peace with things and set them behind you so that you can be prepared for the next thing that is coming at you. Shabbat Shalom.